0: This is Pucks and 7 with Ryan Payton and Victoria Matiash. Okay, first things first, before we get into this, well, really get into this edition of Pucks and 7. Um, Victoria, I'm speaking with Victoria, Victoria Matiash, and it is Victoria Day. And so I'm just gonna say this anyway. I know it has nothing to do directly with you, but indirectly it's kind of neat that I get to speak with a Victoria on Victoria Day. So I'm gonna say happy day to you, regardless. So, of happy how Me you Day. Feel about that. It is happy me yeah. day. <laughs> yes, is. again, I
1: don't uh, it doesn't really have my um not no great connections to the British royal family so to speak but uh i, I usually <laughs> no, get a couple of don't. phone calls no no <laughs> i usually get a couple of phone calls from a couple of cousins and friends that uh, do wish me a happy me day i don't get nearly enough gifts though i will say that the more presents would be, uh, mm. would be appreciated and so if anybody okay wants i mark me something my way i'm
0: gonna <laughs> i'm gonna mark i'm gonna mark this down next year send vic a gift before victoria day uh, Pucks and Seven, here we go. Another Stanley Cup playoff edition. Ryan Payton, the aforementioned Victoria Mattyash. Follow us on Twitter at Ryan and Payton at Victoria Mattyash. Also, Vic, you can hear her. Uh, local news talk station in Toronto and ESPN.com, fantasy hockey, all that great stuff. Uh, I'm on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio, Channel 91, Hot Stove on the Weekends. Do some fill in work as well and uh, cover, of course, the Kraken 4. Uh, the hockey writers. Before we get into the East, we're going to start in the West first, but this, this, you're seeing this right now, th- this just came in to me this morning. And so what this is, it's a note to the four remaining teams in the NHL. This is actually a note to the four remaining teams. So it says, dear Vegas, Dallas, Carolina, and Florida, regulation games go 60 minutes. <laughs> if you feel like playing yeah. extra time, you can play extra, but just to let you know, a normal game is 60 minutes, four games. Two games on each side. They've all gone to overtime. Does it tell you anything? I don't know. The teams are close. Yes, that 4 OT t game was ridiculous. Anyway, I know this this thing didn't come in today, but I'm just saying. It, it's very strange what we've seen, Vic, in the first uh, They've been very closely
1: or. matched. That's what it's telling us. They're very yeah. well matched. But yeah. this is what we anticipated. <laughs> this was the round that you and I have talked. You and I have talked on other shows. You and I have talked to other people. We've talked ourselves about how this is the round. What you're truly flipping a coin in the air about who you're picking. And I went back and forth with both series as a Vegas, as a Dallas, as a Carolina, as a Florida, because they are so well-matched and this is coming to fruition and it's been a lot of fun. And they're not all, not all of the overtime games are equal, of course. Is the one that went to the quadruple overtime, and no. yeah, the yeah. others that yeah. wrapped up very, yeah. very quickly. I'll tell you right now, very I could quickly. have used more. <laughs> I was all settling in. I was happy streaming Yesterday? Everything on the deck. I had the golf going. I had um, we're in Toronto, so I was watching yep. the Jays game, which was a stinker, but yep. that's fine. Well, it didn't end very well. Mm-hmm. Had the golf going. Had the Vegas game going, and I was looking forward to maybe <laughs> a marathon. Game because it was in the afternoon and the weather was beautiful and all the rest of it, but uh, they wrapped it up. Yep. Chandler Stevenson wrapped it up pretty quickly.
0: So Vegas to a man, they said after that it was basically fifty minutes and it was a terrible hockey game. They, 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 they stuck. Um, yes, they were terrible. They were terrible. But this is what makes this team a very, very good hockey team: the amount of comebacks that they can do. It's their eighth comeback in the postseason already this year. And let me just read off these. Um, Back in 06, the Canes came back nine times. They won the cup. In 09, the Penguins came back 10 times. They won the cup. 2014, um, the Kings won the cup. They came back eight times. 2022, the Avalanche came back 10 times. They won the cup. The only team that didn't, that led the, 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 the playoffs in the year, that didn't win the cup was Dallas in 2020. They lost, but they came back nine times. So this, to me, is an example. It doesn't matter how bad you play. You get one bounce. One lucky break, whatever it is, and you come back. So credit to Vegas, give them a ton of credit as well. Tough one for Dallas, it was. Because remember, in overtime, Wyatt Johnston had a great chance, what, moments before? And then yeah. it's, all, it's that old adage, a great chance of one end, you come back down, and they score. And that's what Vegas did.
1: Well, if you had told me ahead of this game that the Dallas Stars were going to keep or hold Vegas to five shots in the first... Five shots yeah, in I a sec no. in the second.
0: Uh-uh. I would say yeah. the
1: stars are gonna, they're gonna emerge with the victory in this one. But it just goes to right. show they just hung out. They hung in there, they hung in there long enough to get, and then even with a couple minutes left when you're like, mm-hmm. okay, Dallas is now we're gonna be tied up. The series is gonna be one-one. And then Jonathan Marcheso, who is super clutch and has been amazing this postseason, yeah. ties it up with very few. Very little time left. And then all of a sudden we're watching and we're like, okay, we're going to overtime now. And now you you have to favor, you have to favor the Knights. I mean, that's what happened. So it's easy to say hindsight and all the rest of it. And it was nice to see Stevenson score as well, uh, score the goal as well, because he had a bad game. He took a couple of bad penalties. I think he would like to have both of them back. And just to see him redeem himself for his teammates. I just could again. Not to beat the point to death, but I could have uh, I could have used an overtime period or two in that one. Oh you're beating
0: having, the point to death. I was death having a, I, I was having such death. a nice
1: afternoon. <laughs> I really I, I could have had I could have enjoyed more hockey in this one.
0: And you know what? And, and you know what's funny is that last week or last time we did this, I remember you, you saying, um, and even on the weekend, you came on my show and I said, So what are you doing on Sunday? Well, I'm going to be out on my deck. I'm going to be watching the game. And I get it. You wanted more. You mentioned about the comebacks and how close it was and March is so and all that type of thing. And Dallas having chances, all that. It's a completely different story with Dallas in overtime. They're not good in OT this postseason. Vegas is 3 0. They're 4 and 0 in one goal games. And how about this? When they allow the first goal in a game in the playoffs, they're seven and three. They're seven and three. So they've allowed the first goal 10 times and they've come back to win seven of those 10 hockey games. That doesn't happen a lot. And that to me is a team, again, going back to what I was saying about them uh, being a very good team, they play to win all the time. I really don't think they play to lose, even if they have the lead. They keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. I think Aiden Hill's done a great job so far. I really do. Not easy shoes to fill. Even though there's been a 100 goalies that have been, has, have been played in Vegas. <laughs> and this was the first time, I think, too, that Jake Ottinger didn't win a game after he did lose, even though it was close. I get it. It's not it, like is a first game. it is the first time. It is the first time. time. This is yeah. the first time so, in
1: the postseason he's lost back to back.
0: Right. And he was so great in the, in the season. I think he was 17 1 3. So he, what are you expecting I, <laughs>
1: then moving forward?
0: Yeah. So, uh, Dallas, Dallas is better at home. I do think Dallas will take game three. I think they will get a pushback and to what we said off the top Vegas played terribly. Dallas didn't play that badly, but they didn't get that. You know, it just, at the end of it all, they, they came out on losing it. I think Dallas is going to push back. Um, Am I going to be surprised if it goes to OT? No, I'm not. But I do think Dallas will make a good pushback. Pete DeBoer said, look, we're going back home. We're not out of this thing. We're good on home ice in the playoffs, all this type of stuff. I think they'll push back.
1: I agree with you. I think Ottinger is going to steal this one. I think Ottinger is going to put on a goaltending clinic in game three. And I think one of the veteran players, either your Pavelskis or your Jamie Benz, are going to rise to the occasion throw the team on their back, so to speak. It's cliched, but really, really bring that little extra that veteran leadership can provide in a situation such as this. And I think that's what's going to happen. And we're going to be – I think we're going to be at 2-1 after, let's say – what day is it today? After Tuesday's game because tonight we have Carolina. After Tuesday,
0: 2-1. After Tuesday's game. And and, and that would – And that would be good. And any time you get to a postseason and you have four great teams left, I'd love to, even if you're not cheering for any of them, I'd love to see it go seven. I really would because it's great hockey. It's intriguing. It's enticing. Yeah, it's exciting hockey um, and all that stuff. Miro Haskinen, by the way, just continues to just, I don't know, play like he's an all-world type of player. I mean, he is, but uh, I'm not going to say this is kind of like his coming out party. It's not because everybody knows how good he is. But just the amount that Pete DeBoer relies on him and Dallas relies on him, it's key. You you need that type of player on your team if you want to be successful. And to me, this is just shining exactly the way that we, well, Dallas is hoping it's going to be. So.
1: And he's so young, Ryan. He's so, he's young, so young. And he's yeah. he's going to be around. <laughs> he is going to be in the conversation for the Norris season after season after season yep. moving forward now. I think he's just going to plant himself in that chat for. Again, seasons yep. to come, and he's going to probably win a couple before it's all over and done
0: with. You need that stud defenseman. Tampa did it with Victor Hedman, Kale McCarr on Colorado, Latang when the Penguins won it, um, Chicago years ago, Duncan Keith. All, you you have to have that uh, really strong defenseman. Anyway, game uh, three coming up tomorrow, and that one is set for 8 Eastern time in Dallas, then game four, of course, in Dallas as well, and that will be on Thursday because it's going at least four. Um, the Calgary Flames. Let's talk about them. Uh, Craig Conroy, it's pretty much signed, sealed, delivered. They just got to dot the I's and cross the T's that he'll become the new GM. Early thoughts.
1: I think it's, I mean, what we expected, isn't it? He's been an assistant there for I think so. so long. Yep. He jumped from being a player back in like 2011, 2012. I can't remember exactly the year, but it was around then. He jumped from being a player pretty much instantaneously into hockey operations. He's been learning ever since. He's experienced, but he's still young. He's only 51. So there's still a fresh perspective he mm-hmm. can bring, but he's also so familiar with the organization. He loves it there. The fans love him. The teams, he's just, a, he's a good guy, right? So it's like, you talk, nobody's yeah. rooting against Craig Conroy. And he's all in. I think, again, this was the decision that seemed obvious. So, and sometimes the most obvious decisions are the right ones. We're not going to, We're not going to know for years whether it was a success or not, right? Because he's been an assistant GM. He hasn't been the one who's made the final decisions on things. To me, it's just going to be interesting how long is it going to take for him to entice Jerome McGinley to come and join the organization as well because those two two just go, (laughs) they're hand in hand, right? They were partners on the ice. And we've always, Mm -hmm. I think we've been waiting for McGinley to maybe take that leap and now that is one of his best buddies is going to be the GM. I mean, it is official. I think we're just waiting for the announcement.
0: The two peas in the pod thing. Uh, these are two flames on a fire. How about that? Craig Conroy. Oh, no, Burnley that's nice. And right. Just, two flames yeah, in a fire. Okay. That's okay. Two, two flames in okay. a fire. Yeah. That's right. That so works. Here, totally here's, works. Here's my totally yeah, works. Here, here, here's my question to you. And I was thinking about this uh, this morning before we did this. If Daryl Sutter was relieved of his duties before Brad Tree Living relieved himself of his duties, would Brad Tree Living still be the GM in Calgary? What do you think?
1: I think there's a good chance. Or no. No. Let me rephrase. Yeah. I think there's a chance. Okay. I think there's a chance. Okay. I think maybe that was. I also do think. I believe him as well. I, I believe Brad and when he says, I'm tired. I've had enough. I need a break, yes, but we'll right. see, we'll see this. We're going to uh-huh. get to the East in our next segment. If all of a sudden Brad Trillivang is the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, we're going to know he didn't need that much of a break, right? We're going to know that it right. was personal in Calgary yeah. because he's not taking time off. So that's going to speak volumes. If that's how that turns out, we will get more into that topic again, next segment. But um, yeah, it's uh it would have been interesting to see. I mean, the only person who knows this is him, right? And I don't think he's going to be blabbing about it anytime soon. Yeah. But later on, we might find no, out not. if you know if Daryl Sutter had been relieved earlier, maybe maybe he'd still be sticking around. But maybe he just does need a break. You know, people do. So
0: yeah, they get burnt out. No, I didn't try to mean that as a pun at all. Flames burnt out. I did not mean that one at all. But they do get burnt out. That actually just flowed. You should have just left up it up alone. a piece of art. Um, <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, they're expecting to name him on Tuesday. That's what they think. But at some point this week, Craig Conroy will be named GM of the Calgary Flames. All right. As Vic did say, we're going to go to East now. We did the West. We're going to talk about the East Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. We'll put a wrap, at least for the time being, on the Toronto Maple Leafs and Kyle Dubas. We'll talk Joel Quenville and Gary Bettman, the commissioner, as well as Vic shakes her head. Okay. We'll get to that right now. Take <sighs> a break. We'll come back. Pucks and seven. Ryan Payne, Victoria Maddie. Ash. <laughs> we'll be back Welcome back to Pucks and 7 with Ryan Payton and Victoria Madiash. He is Ryan Payton.
1: I am Victoria Maddie ash and this is Pucks in 7, playoff edition, as I like to say this time of year. It's another playoff edition of Pucks in 7. We just ran through the West, and what's going down between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars also touched on Craig Conroy in our first segment, becoming the next GM of the Flames. Now we're going to shift over to the East, where tonight, so be it is Monday, it's Monday, May 22nd, tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, the Florida Panthers will try to seize A three nothing series lead over the Carolina Hurricanes.
0: Unbelievable. sorry, sorry, what did you just say? What the Florida Panthers?
1: Florida Panthers will try to seize a three nothing series lead at home. Just how everybody had it drawn up a couple months ago. (laughs) This is exactly Uh how we thought it was all going to unfold. Yeah. No, seriously. I mean, good on them. They have just We were talking about the same thing with the Vegas Golden Knights in the last segment. They know how to win hockey games. They have players who know how to win hockey games. And Matthew Kachuk, again, that last game. So this is interesting. You and I were talking on your show on the NHL Network, on Sirius, Mm -hmm. uh, on the Mm -hmm. hot stove on Mm -hmm. Saturday. And this was ahead of game two. And we were making predictions for this game. And I thought the Florida Panthers... Florida Panthers, not the Carolina Panthers, not the Florida Hurricanes, The Florida <laughs> I've made Panthers, that mistake so much. <laughs> I know. What's easy yeah, mistake to yeah. make? The Florida Panthers, I thought they were gonna come out just like a bat out of the oven because they had all the momentum from having won that quadruple overtime game in game one. And they didn't at all. Right. And you thought, and you thought Carolina was gonna push back and they retired the series. And I would argue that both of us were wrong, (laughs) because even though Florida won the game, I was still incorrect, because you're watching that game. Carolina scores, not immediately, but pretty quickly, and had all the momentum in the first period. You're like, this is going to end up a Hurricanes win 5-1, 6-1. They're absolutely rolling over Florida, making them look ridiculous. But... They, The Panthers did just enough, or should I say, Sergei Bobrovsky, con Smythe winner, who is what he's going to be if they win this oh, series and continue goodness. to play. You know what's so yeah. interesting, Ryan? I uh, I don't crunch the numbers myself because I just don't have the head for it, but I love Evolving Hockey, the website that does all that and yep. looks at the analytics and the underlying numbers. And they have Bobrovsky, his goal saved above average. So basically is outplaying mm-hmm. himself. Are, his numbers are historical. Since they first started crunching this stuff back in 2007, 2006, whenever it was, his numbers are higher than any other goaltender in the postseason of just playing out of his mind, playing better than we all expected him to. And he is, we can say, all credit to Matthew Kachuk and Sam Bennett and Barkov. That was a beautiful goal he scored the other day. It was absolutely gorgeous. All credit to the rest of them. Mm-hmm. But without yep. Sergey Brubovsky playing the way he is right now, this is not a two, nothing Florida lead in the Eastern conference final.
0: No, uh, agreed. And I would even go back a bit further that um, maybe the Leafs and Panthers would have extended their series past five games. If it wasn't for Sergei Bobrovsky, when he came in against Boston, things changed. Alex Lyon, give him a ton of credit. He held the fort, helped them get into the postseason. It was the right thing to do to start him by Paul Maurice uh, but you have Bobrovsky, to your point about all the stats, he stopped a hundred of 103 shots in the first two games. And in that game too, first of all, the game one was completely insane with the four OTs. It almost went to five. Remember Wayne Gretzky on the TNT broadcast after the 30s said, you know, uh, we all love playoff hockey and overtime hockey, but can somebody just score? <laughs> He's basically like, I can't <laughs> yeah, <doubt it>. Right. <laughs> I'm tired. I want to go home and I get it. Right. But the Canes, the Canes had a 20 to one advantage in shots and they had that one 20 to 1, and they only had a one nothing lead. So if you want to go back to 21 key moments or 20 moments, it's those 20 shots that Caroline Hurricanes could not get more than one by Sergei Borovsky. I'm totally with you. You mentioned Matthew Kuchuk. First of all, when they left the ice after game one in, in that four, uh, after that fourth overtime uh, victory, they he went straight to the, straight to the, the room. So he was on the boards and like, get me to the room. Second game, he did the same thing. He's creating a trend. So here's my question to you before we maybe get, well, let's get into a little more of what we're going to think about for game three. If the Panthers, they're not going to be, they're going to be on home ice now. If they win in overtime, do you think he's going to do the same thing? Do you think he's no. going to just go straight? Come on, boys, let's no, go. No, he's going. See, no, I, he's do. Coming, I do. I do. No, no, no.
1: No, no, no. He can't. Okay. He's got to relish it with his hometown fans. Because, I mean, it works. The we're out of here, boys gesture works. I know. If you're visiting. Because you got to get on the bus and you got to get back to yeah. the hotel room. But now you're in the friendly confines of your own FLA arena. And you've got to celebrate with your fans. But it's going to be very interesting. What <laughs> We may never know. Because two things have to happen. Matthew Kachuk has to score the, the game winner in overtime. So right. he has to not only score the game winner. But I mean he has to score it in overtime because otherwise the game's not over, right? right? So that has to happen or else we're not gonna get, we're not gonna uh, which is expected. (laughs) Yeah. It is. Of course, of course it's going to overtime. I don't know if I don't know if Matthew Kachuk is gonna score the game winner in the next game, but I would not be the least bit surprised if every single one of these do go to OT just because of how well these two teams are matched. Really, honestly. So
0: Alexander Barkov that goal was oh, incredible. St- stunning. And stunning. Right? And I remember watching it and you saw the replay and when it happened in real time you thought okay did he actually do that? I didn't think he made one extra move but then when you saw it on the replay I thought that is gutsy. I mean it, it just and it was so smooth. It was so smooth. And they put it in, I'm like, good on him. And Barkov doesn't get credit enough. I don't think a lot of people would maybe agree with that, maybe disagree, whatever it is. But um, you have to go back to Freddie Anderson, though, correct? In game three, after that long I game one, know. you have to go back to him. You really? don't? Really? Because Ranta started, Anderson was tired. What we think is that he's okay. I think you have to go back to Freddie. I really, because Freddie Anderson, as good as Bobrovsky played in game one, So too did Freddie Anderson, right? In the four OTs. I guess.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I think, I don't think you're making a wrong decision there. They've both been very good. But in the, in the last game, when you're only giving up, one we just mentioned the Barkov goal when you're giving up one beauty goal like that I don't know what you do about that one and then you're giving up a power play a tic tac toe power play goal in overtime I don't know what you do about that either right. so this is not on this is not on the net minders I mean these two teams need to score whoever's going to score is going to win the game I know that sounds outrageously obvious but we, these teams need to score to win and both both net minders whoever's been in, in net for Carolina has been great yeah. we've already talked about how great Bob has been I won the one last thing on the Alexander Barkov goal they were talking to Paul Maurice afterwards. And uh, talking about that goal in particular. And he's like, it's so great to see him do that because he doesn't, he doesn't showboat at all. He's one of the least showboaty type players no. out there. And and it looked yeah. like a little bit of a showboaty goal, right? But he goes, Paul Maurice is like, that's not who this guy is. He's one of those guys who, when he scores, he actually, you know, you expect him to fly by the opposing netminder and apologize for scoring. He's just so <laughs> conservative. He doesn't make a big deal. Yeah. And he's just like he's one of the most modest players in this league and we remember for years we used to talk about how underrated uh, yes. Barkoff was and he was one of the most underrated players partially because of his personality partially because he plays in florida I think he's, I, I don't think he's been underrated. I think he's been properly rated for years now. You can't continuously say somebody's underrated because now you're talking about them. So they're, they're not overrated, but they're properly rated at this point. But I like the fact that we're paying attention to what a wonderful player is and the spotlight is on him because he's also, he strikes me as a pretty good guy and you're, it's easier to root for the good guys, right?
0: It's similar to when Jonathan Huberto was in Florida and that a lot of the talk was, oh, underrated, 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 underrated. So both of them. I'm with you with that. And Barkov, to his credit, when he did celebrate that goal, it wasn't this, you know, fist pump. It was whatever. Just kind of, hey, yeah, that was good. <laughs> Let's move on. Off we go. Here's the stat for you before we leave this one. Uh, these two teams, through the first two games, I know it's only been two, but this is this is telling. They've either been tied or within one goal of each other through almost 202 minutes of play in the series. That's how close I know both games in OT that makes sense. Close. I get it, but it's just uh, great anyway, we'll see what happens. A uh, quick thoughts, Florida or Carolina, what happens?
1: I like Carolina to bounce back. I think they're too solid of a, of a team to okay. go down three, nothing. I think they're going to pull out all the shots figuratively and not, <laughs> and that defense, right. I just think I, that defense I think it's going to be another low-scoring affair. I think it's going to be a 2-1, maybe 3-2. I like the idea of seeing overtime again, but I think Carolina, Carolina to me is they're too well-coached. The system is too strong. Their defense is too strong. I do think there's a bounce back here, and I also want there to be one. There's, I have no horse in this race, and I, but I do want it to go yep. 6 or 7, so I I don't want to see a Panthers 3 nothing lead, not right now.
0: And, and what they said, Moore and some of the other players, they said it's not like the Panthers have been dominating us. It's not like they've been outplaying us. Not at right? All. If you, right, So it's not like the Rangers Devils in the first two games when New Jersey lost, what, 10-2, to 2, a combined score of 10-2, to 2, something like that. Yeah, you were outplayed. But I'm with you. I think Carolina's going to come back. And, uh, yeah, I want this series to knock. I don't want both of the series to be 3 nothing for one of the teams. But, of course, those teams in uh, that position right now certainly do. Uh, the Leafs. You oh. have, what, I I oh. think we said last week when we last did this that that we're done talking about Toronto, but we have to just put a bow on it for now. Uh, Brandon, we Shanahan keep on, on saying Friday that. I came think out. this is the third bow <laughs> we're putting on this. Hey,
1: because yeah, Brandon Shanahan came out after. I think we we spoke on Thursday. I believe yes, it. maybe not. I, it was a Thursday. I can't all the games run together. All the days run together to me right now. So whatever day it was, we were speaking. That was before Brennan Shanahan came out and, you know, basically dropped the bombshell that, you know, and gave us the timeline, yeah. you know, Dubis said this and we talked on Sunday and then he spoke out, even though we didn't want to, we didn't want him to on the Monday. And then the, they tried to renegotiate the contract. I mean, we can't do a huge d- deep dive on this because it's going to take us 45 minutes but honest to goodness, okay, so Kyle Dubas is out as general manager. I still think we're gonna hear a yeah. lot more. We haven't even heard from him yet on this. I think he's gonna take a few nope. days. So, so I don't think we're putting a bow on this quite yet. Cause I think we're still gonna Not hear yet. from Kyle <laughs> Dubis. And he's gonna respond to what Shanahan said that how he basically rashly, tempestuously changed his mind about wanting Dubis as the general manager. A couple of days later, he's out shockingly. So, so are some other people within the organization. So now they need a general manager. And who do you think that's going to be? Mr. Ryan Pitt
0: All signs point. And this was, I think, even before Dubas was let go. Um, and then I just want to put my, at least final bow on this present and then we'll open up another present put a bow on it next time we talk about Toronto. I'll do that in a second, but I think a lot of the signs were pointing anyway toward if there was no deal to be done and if no deal came to fruition with Toronto and Duba. Say, say, say they say all this didn't happen, but just say they had a meeting, normal meeting, and both sides agreed, you know what? No, we're not going to go through this, yada, 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 none of this soap opera stuff. I think the signs pointed to Bradtree Living. I really do. And at the time when he resigned from Calgary, I think there was discussion even at that point within the circles, hey... This guy's available, yada, yada, yada. So I'm gonna say on top of my list is Brad Tree living. That's on the top of my list. But then you got to think about well, if he does come in, whoever does come in, what's gonna, you know, what's gonna to happen with to Sheldon Keefe. If Brandon Shanahan is obviously, he's looking for a GM. And if you know deep down that your new GM is gonna come in and probably want a new coach, I would relieve Keefe of his duties. Don't just, don't just hang on to him. Don't keep this going and going and going because I don't think that's fair. I really don't. I don't think Keefe's coming back, regardless of even if Dubas stayed. I don't think Keep was going to come back anyway. And I don't think that he should have come back. They need a new voice. They need new this. They need new that. That's what I think with him. Um, final bow on the on the Shanahan thing quickly for me. When Dubas's agent came with kind of a new proposal kind of thing, he wanted more control, Dubas did, and all this type of stuff. And Shanahan's like, you know what? No, I'm sorry. I, I can't deal with that. Shanahan's untouchable, Vic. Brandon Shanahan is untouchable in that organization. I'll leave it at that until we talk again. I, think,
1: no, I I I agree with you. He has, obviously, because, I mean, ownership is a consortium. It's MLSE. There's eight board yeah. members. You've got the Rogers people. You've got the Bell people. You've got Tannenbaum. He obviously has their trust. My only thing with what you said, I like yeah. the Brad Turley thing. I like the odds of that happening. I don't have an opinion on the move one way or yeah. the other. But I don't understand how this yeah. experienced GM is going to come in. And do I was just about to call him Kyle Shanahan. Oh my goodness, Victoria Rossport, <laughs> Brandon, Shan, Brandon, yeah, Kyle Shanahan is going to be the new president and CEO of Strong Toronto Maple Leafs. Brandon Breaking Shanahan's news. bidding.
0: Yeah, that would be Victoria. interesting.
1: Jeez, <laughs> yeah. I can't see True Living doing Shanahan's bidding just because he's been around the block. He's he's an experienced GM, mm-hmm. and just to come in and be the yes guy, no guy for the guy who's really pulling the strings. I really wonder how that is going to work. So it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be interesting for a long time. It's going to be interesting when they hire the GM. I'm with you about let Sheldon keep going. We're essentially sure he's not going to stick around. I Just letting him, yeah. I don't know, hang in the wind like this, I think is rude, to be perfectly honest. And then there's the next level we just did is- in the last day or two that the Pittsburgh Penguins have officially asked, well, the rumor has it the Pittsburgh Penguins have officially asked the Toronto Maple Leafs for permission to speak to Kyle Dubas. So here was a guy who yeah. said he was leaks or bust just a week ago. And is he truly leaks or bust? Because he still wanted to be the GM. We now found out he wanted to be the GM. He tried to negotiate in the press. It didn't work. He gambled and he lost. So is he now going to move on to Pittsburgh? And bigger question, is he taking Sheldon Keith with him? There's also that to be determined because those yeah. two have a good relationship. I love it. I think I love this stuff. I think the soap opera, as much as I get, you know, (laughs) I just find it fascinating. It's not, I don't even consider it entertaining. It is entertaining, I suppose, but fascinating is really what the term is for it. Because there's just so many moving pieces now. And the drama continues in Toronto. We've got a couple of banger series going on right now. And almost all the radio stations and all the shows are starting off with what's going on within the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. And I find it utterly fascinating
0: it's It's like a it's like a premiere of a new movie or something like that. It takes precedence over what exactly is happening. I'm with you. Um the whole thing and how it ended was messy this week this past week, but at the end of it, it's certainly been intriguing. This is also intriguing as well. Uh, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman will meet with Joel Quenville after the postseason. This came out back on Friday. Um, and he'll look at his status with the league. Of course, um, he had to resign. not he had to he did resign, which he should have uh, been out of the NHL since October 21. Uh, he was with the Panthers at the time and it was all part of that investigation about, uh, in 2010, the allegation involving Kyle Beach, the Blackhawks, the sexual assault, all that type of stuff. I, um, I I don't know. Uh, I, I don't, uh, it's not my business to question anybody's decisions. They can do what they want. They can decide on whoever they want, all that type of thing. Um, Certainly didn't sit well with me when I first saw this about Quinville. I have uh, certainly much different opinion I have of him now than I did before all this stuff came out a few years ago.
1: I think we've been on record already saying that I don't, I don't love this situation. Um, yeah. I'm also somebody I do think in certain cases, people in a lot of cases, people deserve second and in some cases, third chances. I think there's something to that. I'd really like to hear from Joel Quenville, if he is reinstated, and I think we all are expecting him to be, along with Stan Bowman, I would be surprised if they, if Gary Bettman just said, you yes. can't, you can't rejoin." I think that would be much more yeah. shocking than. The other decision so i think we are looking at this Mm -hmm. i'm gonna i am gonna reserve judgment on this entire situation until i hear from him i want to hear from him first i'd also love to hear from kyle beach on the situation but i'm not asking kyle beach to do anything here because again we're not re-traumatizing the victim of the situation no interest in that whatsoever but again let's see right now though this is very interesting ryan joel quenville is the odds-on favorite to be the next coach according to odds makers to be the next coach of the Toronto Mm -hmm. Maple Leafs. So he's number one, Bruce Boudreau is number two, Peter LaViolette is number three. And then we're starting to get into nonsensical stuff like Dale Hunter leaving the golden, uh, the golden Knights, Victoria, the London Knights to come back to the NHL, which I would, I would be, I I would just drop to the ground if I heard that, that Dale Hunter's agreed. After the whole Hunter relationship, I know it's different hunters. There's Mark hunters and there's Dale hunters and there's Dylan hunters. (laughs) There's hunters everywhere, (laughs) But, (laughs) but it would be that one would shock me. But the top three that we're looking at right now, Quenville boudreaux and i can't see it being boudreaux because he's a players coach and i think the leafs have been very clear that they don't want a players coach they've already tried that Mm -hmm. route it hasn't gotten the best out of them so and peter laviolette would be a very interesting choice too but it could be joel quenville he could be behind the bench for the toronto maple leafs next season how wild is this league that's all
0: yeah it is and if he does behind the bench in toronto how wild again are the maple leafs i mean it's just uh i don't know uh i i i'm Glad you said we will wait. You will wait. I will wait. And I think people should wait when this does happen, when Bentman does talk to Quenville, all this stuff here from Joel and whatever. Um, we don't need Kyle Beach and put that whole stuff back out there again because uh, that's just the way it is. But that's intriguing. Boudreaux, I agree. Uh, I can see Laviolette though being a decent one for Toronto. They have to find someone just to treat these guys like just get on them. I think don't don't let them this and I don't know the the whole maturity factor with with some of the young guys on the team. Um, anyway, that's a topic for. I think they day. do. People I think they need a, little, on bit
1: on a, they need they a little bit more of a meanie. I think they need a little bit more of a meanie. Not Daryl Sutter meanie, but no, a no. little bit more of a meanie. And maybe Peter Laviolette is, is the only. The last thing I'll say about the Joel Quenville situation is, however. Gary Bettman has said he's not talking to either him or Stan Bowman until after the conclusion of the season. So we're looking at still another month or so. And if the Maple Leafs want to get a coach in place first, that timeline – I mean, we can pretty much rule out Stan Bowman being the general manager because they need to get a general manager. So it would be interesting. I just don't know how the timeline – you don't need to have a coach in place ahead of the draft. I understand that. But you'd like to have your ducks in a row sooner rather than later – and I just, I don't know, again, how that timing is going to work out. So we'll have to, we'll have to stay tuned. So that's all we're going to say about the Toronto Maple Leafs until the next time we're on.
0: <laughs> for now. <laughs>
1: in which case, in which case we're going to, again, to grab our fourth bow and then wrap it up again one more time. Because I will absolutely guarantee yep. you in the next three days, somebody's going to say something. There's going to be another revelation. Yep. And uh, there's yep. going to be more for us to talk about off ice as in addition to the great hockey we're watching on ice.
0: And for that, thank you Toronto for having us or letting us fill a few minutes, even more than that of our podcast. So yeah, it's the gift that keeps on giving Vic, the Toronto Maple nice Leafs putting a bow on everything. Uh, game number three tonight coming up, Florida and the Carolina hurricanes, eight Eastern time. And then tomorrow it's game three, Vegas and Dallas, Vegas on top of, the stars to nothing we'll be back later on in the week and lots more to talk about i'm sure pucks and seven ryan payton victoria matty follow us on twitter at ryan and payton at victoria matty and you can catch us wherever you get your podcasts also on the sirius xm app we will talk to you later on in the week this has been pucks in seven available on the sirius xm app and wherever you get your podcasts